everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder. I'm a senior director at CFGI, and this is the program where we dig deeper to understand what matters most in business. If you'd like to connect with me, feel free to reach out to me. You'll find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, today, we've got an interesting topic. It's the, uh, the blending of the, the concepts of development and operations. You may know the term DevOps. And to discuss DevOps with us today is Dave Mango, who is the founder and CEO of Mango Tech. Dave, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Thanks a lot for having me, Dave. Hey, Dave, before we jump in, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about who you are? Sure. Uh, so I uh, moved to California in the late 90s. Uh, I didn't realize there was this thing going on called the dot-com boom, because I don't know why, how I missed that. But uh, I showed up, and people said, oh, you know about computers? Here's a job. <laughs> so, OK, I'll take it. Uh, but I started my career as a uh, software developer, actually, and when I moved to California and got this job, uh, I entered this field called operations, which I didn't really know much about. It's uh, been called lots of different things over the years, systems administrator, systems engineer, DevOps engineer, SRE, all kinds of fun names that's been rebranded. Uh, but I was able to sort of, you know, get involved in the Silicon Valley culture, uh, worked at a bunch of like web startups and things like that. Ultimately wound up being uh, in, an architect in infrastructure engineering at Salesforce and designed a lot of the internal systems that run the Salesforce that we all know and love. Uh, and then went on from there to run the global SRE organization for the SolarWinds cloud teams. Uh, probably lots of people have heard of SolarWinds. Maybe not as many people have heard of the SolarWinds cloud companies. Uh, but it's companies like Pingdom and things like that. Uh, and then uh, a few years ago, I decided that since I actually really love helping companies transform the way they work, uh, I would do this as a job. And so I started Mango Tech, and it's been really fun uh, working with different organizations on how they manage their work, how they deal with software, and most importantly, how they deal with software after the software is written, not the software development process itself. Yep, thank you. Why don't we start with a definition, because I think there may be some folks who are watching and listening who may not be familiar with the term DevOps. Um, I kind of blended it at the intro here, but why don't you explain what is DevOps and why should we care? I'd love to. Uh, so the DevOps movement is actually a software development movement, uh, very similar to there's an agile movement as well that started about a decade earlier. Um, but in 2009, John Allspaugh and Paul Hammond were at Flickr, uh, the photo sharing site, and they gave a talk at this Velocity conference called 10 Deploys a Day Dev and Ops Cooperation at Flickr. And this completely shook the foundations of the industry because nobody was deploying 10 times a day. That was not a thing. They were used to these we're going to do all this software development. We're going to get all of our project managers involved. We're going to release like, you know, twice a year. If we release three or four times a year, that was pretty good. If we could release, you know, once a month, you were completely and utterly crushing it. And these guys stood up at a conference and said that we're releasing 10 times a day, which is just, was just incredible. Uh, around the same time, Andrew Schaefer and Patrick Dubois were uh, trying to figure out how they could apply some of those agile concepts we we're just talking about to infrastructure delivery, sort of the ops stuff that I've always been involved in. And that was really the birth of the DevOps movement. 
Uh, and so for me, you know, my definition of DevOps is uh, development operations and other groups in the company recognizing that we're tasked with common business goals. And so DevOps is really about, you know, you heard it in the, in the name from, uh, from the talk from Velocity, it's about cooperation, but it's really applying a bunch of different principles to the way that we actually develop software. And the first one of them is this idea of systems thinking. We're trying to look at the entire system and optimize the flow of work, the flow of software, the flow of product, all, all those other things to the customer as uh, quickly as we can and with as much quality as we can. Because the old way of developing software was, I did my part, I give it to you, now that's your problem. I do my part, I give it to you, now it's your problem. And there was never this you know, holistic view of the system trying to figure out how do we do what's most important to the business, which is make money for everyone who's read The Goal by Eliyahu Goldratt, uh, how do we optimize that? That was never something you would think, but that was never something that was uh, that was really looked at before. So it's kind of been a game changer. It started, you know, gain adoption really in California, and then has basically spread throughout the entire world. So when you use the term agile, that's a term that I think a lot of folks have heard but may not truly understand. Where does agile fit into the whole DevOps space? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. Uh, there's a the DevOps movement is a, a movement that has borrowed from a lot of different disciplines. Uh, so we borrow from the safety sciences, they borrowed from manufacturing, they borrowed from all kinds of places. Uh, Agile is a, a software development methodology uh, that prioritizes uh, software over process or people over process and all kinds of other things. There's an entire Agile manifesto uh, that was written about how we're supposed to do things. But the ultimate goal of Agile, and this is sort of the big joke that people like to argue about in the industry, is the goal of Agile is to be Agile. The goal of Agile isn't to look at all the rules, follow all the rules, do everything that it says in, the, in your handbook, do all the things that you learned at your training. The goal is to be Agile. And so what, we want, what that means to, uh, to us as a business is that we want to be able to respond to the market. We want to be able to respond to our customers' want. We want to be able to respond to things that are happening in the world, and we want to be able to do those things quickly. And so when we talked earlier about the fact that people were doing 10 deploys a day at Flickr, whereas everybody else is doing like four deploys a year or something like that, you're not agile if you're deploying four times a year. What if you know this great new thing comes out and you want to be able to provide that to your customers and you tell them, hey, all you have to do is wait until September and you'll have this. That's that's not satisfying your customers and that's not satisfying your market. So the goal of Agile is actual agility. So we can say, oh my gosh, there's this great opportunity. How long is it going to take for us to take this idea that we have and get it into the hands of our customers to make our customers happy, to make our customers tell all their colleagues that this is something that we should be buying? for their customer, you know, for our customers to go out in the industry and say great things about our product. The faster we can do that, the more effectively we can do that, the better it is for our business. Yeah, and, and you used a couple of terms that I jotted down here. You, you refer to DevOps kind of as a as a movement. Um, I, I've seen it described as a cultural revolution. Uh, and you used the word cooperation. I, I've, I, and we're talking about you know, cooperation and collaboration. You're bringing different 
formerly disparate business units together, um, which is obviously a great way to think about optimizing any business, right? Uh, facilitating collaboration and communication. Can, can you give us any examples that might resonate with folks who perhaps aren't familiar with this whole DevOps thing and are hearing about it literally for the first time today? Yeah, it's a, it's a good, good question. So I think one of the things that happens a lot with the DevOps movement is people hear the word, right? DevOps, oh, okay. Easy enough, development and operations. But over the years, you know, DevOps has really turned out to be more of a brand name for this, you know, culture, this movement, things like that. So, you know, you hear Kleenex, you hear Xerox, you know what I'm talking about. DevOps is sort of similar. And so uh, I was working with a company once and we used to do, you know, the traditional thing where we develop a bunch of stuff, you know, some great new feature, we put it out into the marketplace. And then marketing would come around afterwards and they would say, hey, you released this great new feature. Can you give us blog posts? You know, we want to put all this stuff out on Twitter. We want to make a big deal about this great new feature because it's really awesome. And so we were like, yeah, that's, let's do this. But the problem with that whole scenario right there is that the, the feature is out in, in production. The feature is available to our customers our customers have no idea that that feature is available to them. And it sits and it waits for us to come up with the materials, to write the blog post, to print the collateral, all these things that we have to do. And so we decided, hey, you know what? Let's take a DevOps approach to this. Let's see if we can optimize the way this, this works. So we took inspiration from companies like Toyota, right? Toyota is famous for inventing just-in-time manufacturing because they didn't want to hold inventory. They didn't want to hold inventory in warehouses and pay for parts to sit on the shelf that weren't being put in cars. And they don't want to hold inventory either on the other side where if I develop a, or I make a car and the car is just sitting on the lot outside the factory, I can't make money on that thing. So I want to get my product into the hands of my customers. I don't want to carry inventory anywhere that I don't want to. And for us, this was sort of on the output side, that product that we had developed, that feature that we had developed was inventory. The, the business had paid for it. That, that capital had been expended. We paid the developers, we paid for the servers, we paid for all that other stuff, but we couldn't make money on that. And so what we wound up doing is bringing marketing into the process much earlier. And we said, hey, we're gonna be developing this feature. And you know, in traditional agile development, we do uh, these things called sprints, which is you know one or two weeks. At the end of it, we do a demo that shows what's working, how, how far along have we gotten. And the marketing people came to those meetings. And so throughout the development of this new feature, they got to see the progress. And so we started writing those blog posts, making all that collateral and all those other things before the feature got released. So that when the feature got released on that you know day, the magic day that the thing got released out into production, we had the blog post, we had all those things ready so that our customers found out about it. We could make a big deal and say, hey, we just put this brand new thing out. Go check it out. Tell us what you think. We'd love to get your feedback. And so we weren't carrying that inventory and we were able to make money on that capital that had been expended as soon as that thing was ready. Yeah, Dave, for folks watching and listening who want to learn more about you or how they can contact you, work with you, what's the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, uh, you can go to mangotech.com, M-A-N-G-O-T-E-Q-U-E. 
Uh, and it has all the contact information for email and for Twitter and for LinkedIn and for all kinds of great stuff like that. Yeah, thank you. You had told me that every company is a software company. And when you'd mentioned that, I hadn't really thought about it. We have about two or three minutes to go in this segment. So can you tell us very, very quickly why everybody should think about their business essentially as a software company? Yeah, this is, uh, you know, a couple of different people have had, had takes on this, uh, that every company is a software company is a Satya Nadella quote. Uh, Mark Andreessen is famous for saying uh, software is eating the world. But when you look around, every company is now involved in software. You can't operate from the biggest companies to the smallest companies, right? If I'm a somebody who paves your driveway, I have a website. That makes me a software company, right? If you look uh, at somebody like the Home Depot, they have thousands of developers, but they're a hardware store. Why does a hardware store have thousands of developers? But that's really important to them. If you buy a John Deere tractor, you pay all this money for a tractor and they give you software updates for the tractor. I mean, this just completely crazy. Uh, and it turns out, you know, that companies that are really good at delivering software are the companies that are succeeding. And so, you know, there's a bunch of examples in the marketplace uh, about this, but really, you know, it comes down to what we talked about earlier about being agile and being able to respond to your customers. And so if I'm good at delivering software, if I can deliver 10 times a day, then I actually have the ability to run many more experiments about what's going to work in the marketplace. And so this idea of experiments comes from Eric Reese's book, The Lean Startup. Many people are probably familiar with it. Uh, he talks about this concept of the minimum viable product. And a minimum viable product isn't the smallest piece of garbage that I can throw out there. The minimum viable product is actually the smallest experiment that I can learn from. And he makes a big deal in the book about you want to run experiments. You want to see, does the customer like this button to be blue or do they like it to be orange? You want to see if like, if, you know, these is famously like Google and Amazon did these kinds of studies. If I can reduce the amount of time it takes for my customer to see a web page, how much does that affect my revenue? Turns out affects <laughs> your revenue a lot. The faster your customers get the information they're looking for, the more that they actually buy. And we're talking about like millisecond levels of, of speed and they're actually able to see results of that. And so being able to run these experiments and continually try new things, the name of the game now becomes speed. How fast can I do things? It's not how big I am, how much capital can I do? It's how agile, how nimble I can be to figure out all these problems that I have, you know, that I need to find the answers to. Yep. Dave, we've got to take a quick, pause for uh, commercials here to pay a few bills. Don't go anywhere. You watching and listening. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. Boardwalks built for fun. Legendary rock and roll clubs. This is how we do it. Casinos by the ocean. Now that's New Jersey. 130 miles of beautiful beaches, solid rock, and everything in between. Now that's New Jersey. 
Plan your New Jersey trip at visitnj.org. Hey, welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking DevOps with Dave Mango, who's the CEO and founder of Mango Tech. Dave, we ended the first segment where you were emphasizing the idea of the ROI, if you will, on this whole DevOps culture shift. Um, and we'd also talked about every company essentially being a software company. I want to emphasize that this DevOps movement is not just a cultural thing and a way to improve your business, but it's also a key metric and key performance indicator in financial deals, like when you're working with private equity firms, as I understand it, as a part of the due diligence process. Why don't you speak to that angle, if you would, for our audience, because we do have a lot of folks who are in the deal ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, one of the things that was really, there's been a couple of moments in my career that have been very validating. Uh, One moment was when, you know, about 2008 or so, Google, um, you know, sort of popularized this notion of SRE, which is uh, short for Site Reliability Engineering. And up until that point in my career, you know, people like me had been like, hey, the work that we're doing is really important. And the business would always say to us, you know what, the people who deliver value for this business are the developers. All you do is take the, you know, software from the developers, you get it into production, you run it on the servers, who cares? You know what you are? You're a cost center. And that always kind of stung. And so, uh, you know, Google came out with this idea of SRE, Site Reliability Engineering, where they recognized that the developers writing software doesn't do anything for you if that software isn't available, so a site's not always down, if the performance isn't good, if we're getting hacked by, you know, hackers, whatever, from all over the world, all these kinds of problems, if those things aren't taken care of and taken care of well, then who cares what we wrote? It goes back to our Toyota example. If I have a bunch of inventory that I've created, but nobody, you know, has access to it, who cares? I'm not going to make money on it. Um, And so, you know, that Google thing was really validating. And then another huge validating point was uh, a a report came out, which was a study uh, called the 2019 State of DevOps Report. And the 2019 State of DevOps Survey and ultimately the report uh, was designed by Dr. Nicole Fosgren. uh, And she has a background in experimental design. So she actually designed this survey so that they would be able to do actual statistical analysis on the results as opposed to saying like, hey, six people did this and five people did that and whatever, you know, whatever happens with your regular survey monkey survey, not, not that there's anything wrong with survey monkey. Um, but so uh, one of the things that came out of the 2019 state, state of DevOps report was instead of people like me saying, hey, this is really important, you need to be able to monitor your servers, you know, you need to be able to know when things are up or down or whatever, they were able to prove Mathematically, there's a whole book called Accelerate, which goes into the math behind that report, that um, companies that are high performers are twice as likely to meet or exceed their company's performance goals, which is incredible. Like you're doubling your chances of, you know, revenue, customer satisfaction, market share, all these other kinds of goals that the company has just by being good at delivering software. 
And so there's, you know, lots of examples of, you know, where this, where this kinds of, these kinds of concepts can be applied. But for me, you know, working with investors, my, the investors that I work with, they want their company to achieve their performance goals, right? If I have a three to five year investment thesis, do I want to get my money back in five years or do I want to get my money back in three years? And that ability to move quickly, we said before, like the name of the game here is speed, you know, combined with quality. Uh, that's really important for investors because for them, they want to maximize their ROI. Yep, for sure. And as you're saying that, I'm just wondering to myself, uh, certainly the DevOps culture, if you will, helps to facilitate this collaboration piece, which we talked about before. But when you think about these businesses being successful, and certainly software delivery is, is imperative, and that's the lens that we're, we're talking through here today. But I also just wonder out loud about the collaboration component and what that does in terms of driving those operational efficiencies and company performance as well. Yeah, well, you know, the old way, I guess, that we all love to slam on if we're in the DevOps movement it was this idea of silos, right? I've got my VP of this, I got my VP of that, I got my VP of this, and everybody has their silo. And as soon as everybody's done with their piece, they say it's not my problem anymore. Right. And they're able to unload that. Um, unfortunately, that's not optimizing for the goals of the business, right? The goal of the business, again, from Goldrat is to make money. And so uh, when you start aligning the goals across the business, then all of a sudden people are incentivized to start helping people across these silos. Because if you know team A comes to me and they say, well, team B isn't getting their stuff done and that's why we didn't get this product out to market, well then you know I can say to them like, so what have you done to help them? And they're like, why do I care? I'm like, because you have common goals, you have shared goals. You, the goal is not for you for Team A to get their stuff done. The goal is to get this product into the hands of our customers. And so, if you're having a problem with Team B, and this is you know me putting on my you know engineering leader hat, which I've played for a long time. Uh, you know, you need to go and sit down with Team B and say, hey, what's the holdup, and what can I do to help you so that we can get this thing out? Because I went to Dave and said, hey, it's your fault. And Dave said, I don't care. <laughs> so now what do we do? Because Dave wants to make money for the business. That's the goal here. Yeah, Dave, how can folks reach out to you if they want to connect with you, work with you, just pick your brain? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Dave Mango. Um, certainly, you know, I'm available on LinkedIn as well. Uh, uh, you can just look for Mango Tech. Not very hard to find. T-E-Q-U-E. Fancy tech. Gotcha. Dave, we have about three minutes to go in this segment, so I'm going to hold you to that, please. Um, but I want to ask you, for the benefit of the folks watching and listening, if you can give them some advice. Tips, tricks, pitfalls, what should they be thinking about doing? What should they be thinking about avoiding? Best practices, anything you can share in three minutes? Sure. Uh, you know, like we said, Companies that are high performers at delivering software are more than twice as likely to meet or exceed their performance goals. And so, you know, really, you know, we need to think about software as a critical component of how we're delivering things for our business. And so uh, one of my favorite stories is, uh, you know, back in the mid to, to 2010s or whatever you want to call them, uh, they were trying to launch the, you know, healthcare.gov website and uh, they were having a terrible time. 
the site was going down all the time, everything was crashing. And so they said, we need to get some help. So they reached out to Google and Google sent over one of their engineers, Nikki Dickerson. Uh, if you look him up, he tells the story way better than I do. Uh, he showed up at, you know, healthcare.gov and he said, you know, what's going on? You know, how, what can we do? What, how can, how can I help? And they're like, you know, we're having trouble with the site staying up. And he said, well, how do you know when the site is up or when the site is down? Can you show me your monitoring system? And they said, uh, yeah, okay. And then they pointed to the television in the corner. And he's like, I don't, I don't see any graphs on there. I don't see anything. I don't understand what, how is that television in the corner of your monitoring system? And they said, oh, well, we have it tuned to CNN. And whenever healthcare.gov crashes, CNN reports on it. So we know that there's a problem and we go in to fix it. <laughs> That's not probably the best way for you to find out that you're having trouble with software. And hopefully, you know, your viewers don't have that level of problems. But there's a whole new way of learning how to do things in this industry. And a lot of companies have made this transformation. And a lot of companies are on the forefront of this transformation. And a lot of companies are looking at this transformation with trepidation saying, what am I going to do? And the problem is, is that you have to make this transformation. You have to develop this new way of, of working. And so, you know, famously, Blockbuster had a five to seven year head start on Netflix for delivering streaming media. And so it wasn't about this idea of, you know, who had the idea first. With seven, five to seven years of head start, you should be able to absolutely completely crush that market and own it but they didn't and the problem probably was that they may have got some you know old school software engineers who said we're going to do these things you know this way and that way and it's going to take all this time i remember in 2001 working on a content delivery network where the movie studios were going to stream movies nobody was to make that happen until 2008 when Netflix actually released, you know, streaming media and completely, you know, Netflix and chill. Nobody says anything else in chill. Right. Uh, obviously, you know, players like Disney and all those others have come after, but Disney's good at delivering software and Netflix is good at delivering software. And if you don't want to be a blockbuster or a buying, you know, or a borders books or any of those other kinds of companies, then you need to actually get good at delivering software because the only other option is to lose. Well said. On that note, Dave, we've got a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thank you at home for watching and listening to Behind the Numbers. We've been talking DevOps with Dave Mango, the founder and CEO of Mango Tech. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you're watching and listening. Stay in touch with us. We'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. I'm Dave Bookbinder.